Welcome back to the In the Dugout podcast. My name is Jason Ward, aka Red Sox Dugout, alongside Garrett Jacobs Meyer, Joey Nagel, and Alex Jefferson. Big episode. Oh yeah. Woo. We have um you've seen his hair flowing in the wind in spring training. You've seen him hit bombs in spring training. Red Sox minor leaguer Ryan Fitzgerald joins the show today. Big interview with him. Um he was a lot of fun to talk to, so I'm excited for you guys to hear that. Before we get to that, I just want to talk about some general news. Uh, as spring training wraps up, opening day is this week. Who would have thought? Probably not going to be on Thursday. Why is that? Is it going to rain? It is going to rain all day that's, on Thursday. That's our that's weather tough. report. So, um, yeah, but meteorologists are terrible. Too, terrible yeah. jobs. I mean, so, we'll see how much it actually rains, but um, I would is it say home or away. It's, it's in, the Bronx. in the Bronx, and I checked the weather this morning. They have rain all week, including 100% chance on Thursday. You heard it here first. I think opening day is going to be on the Friday, which <laughs> honestly, who cares? It was a Friday Classic Yankees. Day, which sucks. Classic Yankees ruining everything. Yeah, Thanks. I mean, we expect that, right? Ridiculous. Who would have thought um, we would be having an opening day in April like two months ago? I know. Yeah. That's that's a good point. Um, yeah. Well, whether it's Thursday or whether it's Friday, opening day is this week. Uh, spring training is in its final stages. And we're kind of getting down to what seems like the actual roster. I'm not in love with it. <laughs> There's some guys that I wish weren't on it, but... Who did they um, promote today to the big league roster? It was some pitcher with like a funky name. Oh, Tyler uh, Danish. Danish. Yeah, I don't like him. I had never heard of this guy in my life. I didn't know we had him. I didn't know he played professional baseball, but he's on the Red Sox. Um, he had an okay spring training, but from what I remember, he pl- he has never been good in the professional baseball like ever. I mean, that's. I hate being the guy that keeps saying this, but that's the Heim Bloom way. That's what he does is he gets guys you've never heard of and makes them all-stars. So maybe that's Tyler Danish or maybe he's just filling a roster spot. I don't know. What he is a Danish? Isn't that like a thing, a food? Yeah, it's a yeah. pastry. Bro, yeah. He's a career too. I don't know what Danish is. Well, I knew it was a pastry. I was like, what kind of pastry? Like, what does it consist of? It's like kind of like, it's like not like cakey. It's but like a it's mini like, pie. Yeah. Okay. It's like flaky. I had one flaky. Yesterday. That's that's yeah. not a characteristic you want in a pitcher. You no, can eat, you can eat them as breakfast foods, though. Um, mm-hmm. That's a characteristic you want in a pitcher. Good at all times of the day. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, know, Garrett. His two point three whip might argue differently. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, optimism. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll see. Another guy who made the club. I'm a little bit happier about this one. Cutter Crawford. I think has one of the coolest names in the majors, professional baseball. Cutter with a K. Mm. I don't care what his like baseball ability is. His name is Cutter with a K. So you have Cutter, which is a pitch, and K, which is a strikeout. He's got it both there, and then he's got the alliteration on, on the name Cutter Crawford. Um, so oh, I'll started, take that. <laughs> he started one game for us last last year. Yeah, he gave up uh, five runs in two innings. Yeah. Um, 57 pitches, but that's just one one bad outing. 
maybe, you know? He is also only 26, so... Yeah, he throws hard. He throws, like, 97, 98. Um, he's been pretty solid in the minors, I think. And again, cool name, so... I can't, I can't hate on a guy with a cool name until he, he really messes up. We'll see how that goes. But I have faith in him to be pretty solid. Um, and then Jonathan Aruz and Travis Shaw apparently made the team. How did Travis Shaw make the roster? Did he have a hit? Did, yeah, we, Garrett texted the other day that Shaw didn't have a hit yet this spring. Did he get Wait, one? Did he make the roster? I don't think he's on the active roster yet. Well, no, but I, I read this thing. From Chris Hatfield it said Danish wins the last spot in the bullpen. Sale indeed heads to the 60 day, which we'll talk about in a second. The reassignments also indicate that Jonathan Aruz has made the team along with Travis Shaw, barring farther moves. I guess they have just two empty spots on the roster, but Shaw no. and uh, Aruz are not on the 40 man, so I don't know what they're going to do about that. I'm okay with well, Sale with now isn't on the 40 man, right? But that spot. frees up the spot for. Danish is that Danish's spot? Okay. Yeah, I think so. Um, but also, oh, what was it? Oh, yeah. So with the Travis Shaw and John the Ruse, um, Travis Shaw, I'm okay with because like he's a veteran guy. Like he had that big. Was it a Grand Slam last yeah, season? Yeah, it was a walk off yeah. Grand Slam. Ruse. Okay. I mean, we were he's talking young. about this the other day in our group chat about how I wish the Red Sox got a little bit more depth. We don't have a whole lot of like big league bench depth. Um, it's these are the guys, Travis Shaw, John Lanaruz, Rob Refsnyder is one of those guys, but he was just sent down. I also, I mean, that doesn't really excite me. I wish they would go out and kind of get some more depth because once the season gets going, you know, injuries happen and some guys aren't as impressive as you thought they'd be too. It'd be nice to have a little bit more depth, but, uh, I mean the team that we roll with opening day doesn't mean it's going to be our team for the whole season. So like, I don't think we need to sound the alarm yet. I also think that Heim is like very much like, you know, he's got a bunch of guys in the minors that he's ready to give a shot to, which might be part of the reason why he's like kind of held off on depth. Like he might have guys that he wants to bring up and get ready to use like sooner rather than later. Well, the other thing too, like kind of along that, those lines is in terms of minor league depth, you have a lot of guys who haven't made the Red Sox, but are in the minors that are younger. Like you have Jaron Duran is still around. He's going to be in the minors. I mean, we interviewed him today. Ryan Fitzgerald is another younger depth guy. Um, so they have different guys kind of in the minors that I think they could call. I mean, Tristan Casas too. I'm sure we'll probably see him at some point this year. He won't be a depth guy, though. He's going to be. He'll be playing. Um, and so we have some younger guys that could kind of come up later on in the season. So maybe right now they're just kind of sticking with some of the more seasoned guys. Um to kind of give the the younger guys a chance and the minors to kind of get settled and get acclimated to the season. So I think that's kind of a smart way to look at it. So wish we had more depth, but I mean, again, I, it just kind of is what it is. Um, I don't think it's a reason for too much concern. Um, real quick, Travis Shaw got two hits this spring training on March 31st. Both hits uh, on March 31st? Yeah, he had zero hits from March 21st to March 30th or on April 1st. I mean, we always talk about how spring training means nothing. So let's, I, I'll try not to look into that. I mean, David Ortiz was always bad in spring training. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so. yeah, but there's a big difference between <laughs> Travis Shaw and David Ortiz. He, he did finish with four total hits, including a double and two RBIs and three walks. How many strikeouts? Seven. Yeah. All right. Yeah. For a Whatever. nice, for a nice 182, 308, 227 slash line. <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah. Um, 
<laughs> Anyways, uh, on, on the pitching side of it, it looks like our rotation right now is going to be uh, Nasty Nate gets the nod on opening day, of course. Then you got Nick Pavetta. I think Tanner Houck is three, Michael Walker's four, and Rich Hill's five, it looks like. So Rich Hill stinks, man. Like, this is just... Rich Hill is, like, the um, biggest, like, enigma to me as, like, a pitcher because, like, there's no reason why he should be good. Like, he throws, like, slop up there, but it just works half the time. Like, I don't know. It I looks think, like he's not... I don't not... think Rich Hill's the worst starter in the rotation. You think Waka You think Waka? I think Waka's worse. How's Waka, Waka been... has better stuff, but he's not as good of a pitcher. Yeah. Like, at the moment, I would say he's worse, but he has potential to be solid like a solid four well i think that's kind of the difference is rich hill you know what you're gonna get michael walker you could see kind of performing a little bit better than we expect yeah Yeah. i would say one of them will end up in the bullpen at some point for sure you're gonna get sale back you're gonna get paxton back both of them could end up in the bullpen for all we know yeah we should um I, i was just looking through like red Sox, like guys that got invited to camp Durbin Feltman. Uh, should be... No, he's good. He's not a starter, though. No, I know, Earlier. but like he's better than like whoever, whatever Joe Schmo we have in the. He's better than Matt Barnes will probably be. <laughs> I don't hate our our pitching depth right now, actually. I mean, aside from the rotation, I think the bullpen. I don't like our rotation depth. But... I don't like our rotation depth, but the I mean, some of the younger guys I do like, like Josh Winkowski. I think I want him to kind of get a shot at the rotation at some point. But, I mean, again, we do have Paxton and Sal coming back at some point. I honestly think Paxton might surprise some people. And then, okay, let's talk about Chris Sale here. As of today, he's on the 60-day IL um, with, what was it, a rib injury or something? Whatever his injury was this time. Yeah, Yeah. so he's on the 60-day IL, which means he won't be eligible to play until June, early June. I think it was June 7th or 8th or 9th or 6th or something. So he's out till June. So this is reminding me a lot of last season in terms of you don't know when you're going to get Chris Sale back. He doesn't have a timetable. You just kind of have to forget that this guy's on your team. And who knows how he's going to be when he comes back. It really hurts because I thought we were going to get a season of Chris Sale healthy um, for the first time in a long time. But nope, we'll have to wait till June, see how he is then. It's tough. It's tough. This rotation is just not the same without that ace like nathan Navaldi has pitched to ace status but all the good rotations in the game they don't just have one ace they kind of have two now especially in our, uh, division? The com- in our division yeah i mean you look at the blue jays and they're they're stacked the, the yankees are bad i don't they're whatever who's even in their rotation other than garrett cole uh, uh yeah no, clark schmidt <laughs> um but like I, I think of our 2018 team we had sale uh, Porcello, Price, Darwinson, or not Darwinson, uh, Eddie Rodriguez. Yeah. Um, Evaldi was like the number four or five guy in that rotation, and now he's our number one. So, yeah. And again, like Pavetta, I love Nick Pavetta, but he should not be our number two. I think he's <laughs> going to be good, but he should not be our two. Like, that scares me. Um, I'm going to keep being scared until they prove me wrong or we get different guys, but I, that's what it is right now. So, We'll just kind of have to, um, what's that saying? Bunker down the hatches? Bunker, 
hunker down and batten down the hatches. Yeah. That just yeah. Down. We'll have to keep those hatches down while we wait until uh, <laughs> Chris Sale's return. Um, yeah. So that's kind of where we're looking for the, the rotation in the bullpen. Um, it kind of is what it is, like what we expected. I don't really know who's going to be closing games. Alex Cora was asked that question. He said, I'll tell you on April 7th. Um, I, I was just about to ask you that. Um, we have an all-star closer, guys. Do we now? Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about him later, okay? Let's, we should get to the interview, I think. Yeah, just well, just not going to talk about the, the bullpen. Yeah. Um, we mentioned him when we were talking about depth. Uh, he is one of the key pieces, I think, in our minor league system in terms of depth. Um, he's had a very interesting career. He talks about it a little bit in the interview. He went undrafted, uh, played indie ball, and now the Red Sox signed him from a tryout a couple years ago, and now he's been in the minor league system. He's been impressive this spring. I mean, he's right behind Rafael Devers, leading the team with four homers. Rafael Devers has, what, like seven or eight because he's just insane? Six. No, no. He's seven at least. Hold on. Yeah, it's no. He's six. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> They're like all in the past week. Yeah. But then there's Ryan Fitzgerald with four. Like, He's been tearing like it up this spring. Um, so without further ado, let's get to the interview with Ryan Fitzgerald. All right, we are joined by Red Sox prospect Ryan Fitzgerald. You probably know him from his glorious hair out there on the field or his four home runs so far in Sox Spring. How you doing, Ryan? Thanks for joining us. Good. Thanks for having me on. How you guys doing? Good. Um, so, I mean, I have to start off. We'll talk about real baseball stuff in a second, but I got to start off with the hair. How long has that been a thing, and what do you do to just make it like maintained and look like it does out there? Yeah, um, so it's been a thing for quite a while now. After I got out of college, I just kind of let it go. We had some rules in college, so once I got out of college, I just I let it go pretty good um, for about two years, just kind of trimming it here and there. And then uh, last year, I went full mullet um, and really just kind of, as you can see, kind of short, short in the top, pretty good, and just let it let it play in the back. So uh, that's what I went with. Um, for, for hair care, I mostly just stick with coconut oil. So I'll, just, I'll put a little bit in after a shower and uh, it curls it kind of nice and gives it a little bit of a shine. So that's, that's kind of the routine. There you go. Uh, one thing we talked about on the pod uh, a while ago now, double shampoo, you shampoo twice and put conditioner in there in the middle. Thoughts on that? You doing any of that? I don't shampoo it. I uh, Maybe once a week. But, uh, yeah, I try not to shampoo it that much. It, uh, it always dries it out for me. So I usually try to just let it, let it do its thing. It's the worst. It's the worst. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, I'll take notes on that. <laughs> yeah. um, as I mentioned, you've been crushing it this spring training. Second on the team in homers behind Rafael Devers. Pretty good company there. Yeah. What's led to your success so far this spring? Um. I think a lot of his mindset um obviously you know the measurables are there and everything that i train for is there but uh i think mindset's been the biggest thing it's it's uh you know i'm 27 years old and you know, i got nothing to lose so you know I, I came out of indie ball and and no one's expected this of me and and nobody really has much expectations of me and, and even if they did it wouldn't really uh compare to the expectations i have of myself so uh it's just i'm having fun you know it's like i said i got nothing to lose going up there trying to hit a home run every single time and uh i just that's the way i like to play 
do people often use you being 27 as kind of like a, uh, a dig on you as a prospect, as a player? What, what, what is that like for you? I, I was just thinking about that myself. Yeah, um, I haven't really heard it as much as, as, as a, a dig, but uh, yeah, I mean, people always say he's, you know, older or whatever. And uh, I mean, it's, it's true. I mean, I, I'm not hurt by it. It's uh, I'm definitely older, but uh, nobody's ever come this route. You know, some I'm, I think Kevin Olar is like the only other position player to go undrafted to indie ball to the big league. So um, I, I mean, I'm, I embrace it and, uh, you know, I hopefully I'm the next one to do it. So one thing we always talk about on the show about spring training is we always like to say that nothing that happens in spring training matters, but as a player like yourself, who's kind of on the line of making the Red Sox or not, and kind of what, what you do matters in spring training in terms of it kind of shows Alex Cora, like people in the organization, what you're made of, what does spring training stats mean to you? What does your performance in the spring mean to you? Um, I mean, every game matters to me, whether, whether people think it matters or not, you know, if, if, if someone's trying to get me out, it, it matters to me, whether it's, you know, sandlot baseball, which is what I was playing when I was out of college, or if it's, you know, playing in a big league spring training game, um, you know, it's all the same to me. I, I want to try to hit a home run no matter what. Um, but like, like you said, you know, like I'm 27 and, and they don't have expectations of me. And, uh, that's, um, like I knew going into the spring training that it really didn't matter what I did. You know, I could go up there and hit a home run every single time or strike out every single time. And I was going to triple a regardless. Um, and I knew that. And, uh, it's, you know, it's, it is what it is. That's, that's just the business of the game. And, um, trying to get on that 40 man is, is a really extremely hard thing to do, especially coming out of any ball when you don't have a financial investment in you. And, um, you know, stats don't always, always matter in that sense. So talking about indie ball, um, I remember I was talking to Johnny Gomes and he mentioned some of his stories from his minor league days where he'd have two chickens fighting at home plate before the game. Do you have any crazy stories like that from your days in indie ball or even in the minors? Oh, man, I, I can't say I got anything that beats that. That's <laughs> that's kind of insane. Um, I, you know, Not really. I mean, honestly, indie ball. My first game I played in indie ball, we had we were playing at uh, the St. Paul Saints Stadium, which is now the AAA for the Minnesota Twins. But um, that was our opening day, and they had I think like eight thousand fans there or something. I mean, the stadium was packed. I was like, "Holy crap, this is indie ball!" Like, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And the, you know, the starting pitcher for him was a former major leaguer, and um, it was kind of it was intense. But yeah, I don't I don't have anything crazy like that. That's that's insane. Yeah, and so now uh, with your time in the, with the Red Sox in spring training, what are some of the big names that you've been around and kind of had interactions with? Has anyone taken you under their wing a little bit, or have you been starstruck by any of the big names there in camp? Um, starstruck, no. I, I mean, I, everyone's a human being. Um, I think if you asked me that question, you know, five years ago I might have been, but uh, the more and more I play this game, it's it's. You know, I always say baseball is just what I do. It's not who I am, and um, I think a lot of – players and even even fans get that mixed up and um you know there's a bunch of good good human beings in that clubhouse and good dudes and uh you know they all they all embrace me and um we're super nice and everything and uh i guess one that probably would stand out would be kike he uh he hooked me up with a bunch of cleats which was nice um so i'll, I'll be wearing his cleats this year um down here in triple a well, and, you know, you kind of have a similar background to Kike in terms of, like, you can play all around the field, you know. Have you, do you think that you're going to start seeing more, like, focus, like, play at shortstop this year in AAA, or do you think you're going to be moving around kind of like utility like you have been in the past? 
Um, I think I'm going to be moving around a lot. Um, just we've, we've had practice here in Worcester the last two days, and um, I've practiced in left, center, right, third, short, second. So <laughs> um, I'm ready. I'm ready for anything. But uh, I try not to play too much, you know, GM or manager, and, and trying to figure out what I'm going to be doing. Um, whatever. I just want to be in a lineup. However, however I get in there, I don't care. I told him, you know, give me the catcher's gear if you need me to catch. But uh, <laughs> whatever I need to do to be in the lineup. So as someone who plays all around the field um, and in like the infield, there's been talks about banning the shift. What's your thoughts on that as a player? How does that impact you and how do you feel about that? Yeah. Um, I mean, I love it as a hitter, you know, as a lefty, <laughs> I, I'm all for it, but uh, yeah, I mean, if, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say they should, they shouldn't ban the shift. I mean, I, it would, they would definitely help me. That's for sure. Um, but I mean, either way it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not worried about it. Um, fielding it's a lot easier obviously you're kind of in a better position to field the ball and um you take away a lot of hits uh, but as a hitter it definitely hurts you uh real quick one of your teammates that i wanted to bring up real quick uh tristan casas how mm -hmm. huge is he because he looks giant <laughs> on tv he's like six four two fifty or whatever i think he's all of 260 now he uh yeah he's a big boy and uh yeah even just standing next to him he just he'll he'll dwarf some people that that are pretty big but uh his, it's, I think it's his legs. Like his thighs are just huge. Like, I don't know. He's got a lot of mass to him. That's for sure. But yeah, he's, he's a tall dude. Yeah, absolutely. The dude's a monster. Um, talking about minor leagues some more though. Uh, minor league bus, bus rides are classically like long and boring. And there's a lot of traveling in the minor leagues. What are you doing to keep busy on those bus rides or plane rides even? Yeah, I, uh, I like to read a lot. I got a, I got a couple books. I'm always reading. Um, Actually, one of the most recent ones I read was uh, "It Takes What It Takes." Um, talks about like neutral thinking, positive thinking, negative thinking. Um, but yeah, I, I I get into videography stuff too a lot. Um, I'm on TikTok, and um, I got a little drone that I'll get, I have, so I'll get some footage of that and do some editing and stuff on the bus rides. And um, obviously, they're always playing a movie too, so you know sometimes just check in for the movie. But uh, sleeping too, I try to sleep as much as I can. <laughs> Yeah, you brought up the TikTok there. I was checking that out earlier today. Um, it's pretty solid. What's kind of, I mean, you may just be doing it for fun, but do you have any kind of goal with that in terms of marketing yourself as a player? Um, that's kind of something I was thinking about in terms of like MLB players marketing themselves and the sport through social media and stuff like TikTok. Um, is there any of that in play or you're just having fun on TikTok? I, it, right now it's just for fun i mean i haven't really had any like serious brands reach out or anything um yeah i just i mean i try to have fun i started it back in i think like 2019 um so it's been been quite a while with it but i it started out as just like i was posting myself just like working out um and then it slowly kind of just grew into more of my baseball training and then obviously stuff that you know i do in the field but uh yeah i don't really have any plans for it right now per se but uh i don't know it uh it's fun. I, I enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have any kind of, I love asking players this, do you have any kind of pregame rituals or superstitions that you kind of latch on to? Um, I don't really have any superstitions. I always say if you got superstitions, you're like giving, giving your power away. Like you're out of control then. You don't have the control anymore. You're giving your control to a superstition. So I don't really have any superstitions. Um, rituals. I have like a pre, pre, when I step into the box, it's like a, a pre hit ritual. So it's uh look at the label of my bat, deep breath, 
uh, left foot in, tap the plate, tap my the toe of my right foot, grab my cup, <laughs> tap tap my helmet, tap my helmet once with my left hand, and then I I put the uh, the bat out front, do the uh, do the samurai, and wait for him to come set. <laughs> so that that's pretty much the only ritual I have on the field. Now, obviously, rituals evolve over time, but something else that evolves is like your approach to the game. Have you? How much have you changed your approach and like adjusted to more like metrics and analytics now that the sport has changed and evolved so much over the last few years? Yeah, that's been a huge piece for me. Um, it, uh, I mean, it kind of really changed my career. You know, so I didn't get drafted in 2016. Uh, played indie ball in 2017 and. Like I was always just that kind of like slap hitter. Um, didn't really understand myself much. I, you know, I had good like bat to ball skills, but uh, never really understood like how to consistently replicate it. And uh, once I got an indie ball, I was like, you know, what? I'm just gonna try to hit home runs every time. And I was like, hmm, I can do this. Like I'm pretty good, but how can I hit more home runs and doubles consistently? Um, and I, I ran into two coaches actually from the White Sox uh, who really helped me out, Devin DeYoung and and Ryan Johansson and. Um, they brought me in and like showed me all this tech, you know, we were hitting on force plates. We had motion capture on my body and, uh, bat sensors, like the whole nine yards. And, uh, once I learned how to like apply that to myself, like I was like, man, like I can actually train to be what the elite players are. So like, we know the elite players, for instance, have like bat speeds in the mid seventies. And, um, you know, they put like 200, 200% of, of force into the, uh, into the ground. Um, on their back foot. So like, I was like, okay, if I can train those measurables and get to the, what the elites are doing, like, at least I know I'm good in that area. There's obviously a lot of gray area in baseball, like, you know, pitch selection or like barrel accuracy. Like that's, you know, obviously a lot of gray area there, but like I wanted to hammer out the stuff that I could measure. Um, so I knew at least I was prepared with that. And then, and then what let my athleticism take over from there. So what's your mindset when you're going up to the plate? Like, are you going up to the plate thinking, I want to hit a home run here? Or is it kind of, let's see what I get. And then if you happen to run into a ball, goes out, then great. I, I want to hit a home run every pitch, every count, every situation. I'm trying to go yard every time. There you go. Love it. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It definitely showed last year when you were in the minors. I mean, you, you had a huge jump in, like, in terms of production you know, on the power yeah. side. Would you classify yourself as a power hitter or kind of an all-around hitter? I like to classify classify myself to myself as a power hitter, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know whoever does that classification if they would classify me as that. But uh, I will classify myself as that for sure. <laughs> well, let me ask you this: Would you rather go four for four with four singles and four runs no. scored? No, I don't even or know. Or one for is. four with a grand slam. That one. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Um, who would you kind of compare yourself to at the major league level? Like, who do you kind of see a little bit of yourself in? Brandon Crawford. Because of the hair? <laughs> <laughs> mainly, mainly. No, um, I always, I've always looked up to him. I mean, I think he's obviously – he is one of the best defenders in the league. Um, and his swing has come along too. I mean, dude mashes now. So, I think uh, probably he'd probably be my closest comparison. One question that I want to ask too: uh, What's your walk-up song right now? Have you picked one out for the year? Yeah, I use the same one every year. It's uh, "The Power of Now" by Steve Aoki. Okay. Yeah. Kind of. I'm always interested in kind of the the thinking behind walk-up songs. I know some guys like to be relaxed when they go up to the plate, versus some guys want to be like, "I'm going to rip this dude's throat out." What's kind of your mentality there? 
rip this dude's throat out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What's something that you want Red Sox fans to know about you as they start to really get to know you as a player, as you kind of make a name for yourself in the organization? Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I would like them to know that like, I've, I mean, I've been to, been to, been to hell and back in this game. Um, coming out of indie ball and, and I mean, shit in 2016, nobody wanted me. I mean, I tried out for indie ball teams left and right. And, nope, nope, nope. Just got shut down everywhere. Um, I, I just like to know the journey and, and how hard it is. And that, I mean, what nobody makes it doing what I'm doing. Like there's, like I said, Kevin Millar is the only one that I, I know of that has gone undrafted to indie ball to the big leagues. I mean, there's a lot of guys that'll go drafted to indie ball and then obviously back into affiliated ball, but, uh, I just people understanding that because I, I don't think a lot of people get that and, and how hard that that journey is. But uh, that I mean, shit. I, hopefully, when I get there, that uh, they can appreciate the, the hard work that's gone into it, and hopefully, I can uh, hit some more homers for them. You definitely seem like you have like a work work first mentality. Like, are you like the first guy in, last guy out type of person in the gym and in, on the in the field, or are you like, you know, you take what you need to do and, and get done with it when you need to? So I used to be the, the work all the time guy, you know, the any work is good work type guy. And uh, I, I would just burn myself out. And um, it was mostly because like, I wanted to be able to put my head on the pillow at night and be like, I did everything I could today. Like, even if I failed, like, okay, I, I worked as hard as I possibly could. But um, as I've gotten older, I've gotten a lot smarter. And, and like we talked about with like the technology and the measurables, like, I have a routine where like, if I can reach those measurables each day, like I know I'm ready. And, you know, some days it might take longer for me to get to that. Some days you don't even get there. I mean, it's, you know, like it's 162 game season. So some days you're just going to have to figure it out with, you know, 50% of what you got. Um, but for me, like I try to work smarter, not harder these days, you know, like it could take 15 minutes for me and I'm ready to go. You know, it could take a half hour. I mean, it's, it just depends on the day. Um, but yeah, I, I think the routine has been the biggest thing for me is, is I'm consistently able to hammer out the routine and the, the, um, um, like the prep, the whole prep work that I have. I mean, if I can do that every day and be consistent with it, then, then everything else, you know, should fall into place and, and I can sleep at night knowing that I did everything I could. Are you looking at video of your swing, uh, during games at all? Like, do you go down in the clubhouse and look at video or is that more of a post-game pregame thing? Mostly post-game pregame. Um, I don't really look at it much pregame. Um, I, quite frankly, I don't look at a ton of video. Um, I'm a big numbers guy. So, I mean, if like my bat speed and bat angles and all that are in order and, you know, exit velocities are in order, then I could care less if it looks like I'm hitting with my pants around my ankles. Like <laughs> I just, just as long as that stuff's in order. Like, like I said, I, I don't even really care what it looks like. Aside from analytics, um, <clears throat> another question that I like asking professional athletes in terms of like food like are you a kind of guy that right when the game's over you need to grab some food or you go with the flow in terms of before the game are you can't eat before the game or you always need like a pre-game snack pre-game meal uh always get a pre-game meal for sure and even a, a mid-game snack too i usually <laughs> eat something <laughs> yeah always eating um post game yeah i mean just kind of whenever i try to get it in me within you know probably hour to two hours after the game ends um but yeah, I'm not like a, a food snob about that. I, I'll just kind of eat whatever's there whenever they have it. On the topic of food, are you a, a seeds or a gum guy? 
Ooh. Um, I chew gum during the games, but if I'm not playing, I'll chew seeds. Fair enough. Fair enough. What has your experience been like playing in Worcester? Part of the reason why I'm asking this question is because I go to school in Worcester, so I'm very familiar yeah. with the city. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on the Woo? I like it. I like it better than Portland. Um, I know a lot of people disagree with me on that, but uh, I don't know. I mean, especially with the new stadium here, and I mean, the, all the, I mean, they valet your car for you. Like, it's insane. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, uh, it's great. I mean, the whole, everything they have there is just so professional. And um, I'm getting to know the city a little better. And there's some, there's some hidden gems around here that, uh, that I'm starting to like. So I like the Woo. I think it's, I think it's a solid place. Yeah, Polar Park is definitely nice. Uh, have you hit the train tracks at all yet? I haven't. I'm a lefty. I, I don't got that kind of juice <laughs> the, the other way. power, no. <laughs> yeah, I can put them over the bar and right, but I can't get the train tracks and left. There you go, yeah. Um, about your like teammates on that Worcester team, who's got like some of the most personality that we don't really get to see when we're just watching the games on TV, like a, a guy that comes to mind for the Red Sox is like Kike Hernandez, like the dude's yeah. a spark plug. Who who's kind of like that on the 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 Woo Sox team? Um, whew, that's a good one. Probably Schreiber. I, I, he might make the squad though. He's still down in spring training and big league camp. They, they haven't come out with their roster yet, but uh, he's the one that runs all the post game activities when we win. <laughs> he uh, he gets he does a little dance for everybody and we get a little music and and we got a little basketball hoop in there and players of the game get to shoot on the hoop and everyone boos them if they miss so it's uh <laughs> he's kind of the ringleader of that that i don't think most people would know that though <laughs> yeah all right well thank you for joining us ryan um thank you. it's been fun i'm Absolutely. a big fan of your hair so <laughs> i just want to get that in there um hope to see you in boston sometime this season uh good luck the rest of the way have a good year Definitely. Thank you, guys. There you have it. Ryan Fitzgerald. Um, big shout out to him for taking the time to join us. And I honestly do hope that he makes the Red Sox this year, not just because I, I love him as a guy, I love his hair, but I think he actually has a real like potential to produce for the Red Sox. Um, I love his mentality. Me too. He's like, I go up to the plate wanting to hit a home run in any pitch, any count. That is amazing. I, I just appreciate, like, I mean, he's he seems like a really smart player. Like, he seems like he's adjusting and, like, figured it out in terms of, like, what he needs to do to be the best version of himself. Yeah, he talked a lot about how he's kind of changed, uh, how he approaches the game, changed his mindset. He talked about how he was very, like, put in, put in the work, like, last guy out kind of guy. But then he changed to work smarter, not harder. Um I like that. That's why I kind of just uh, don't do my homework when I don't need to and then do the stuff that I do need to do. I, I think I'm very similar to Ryan in that way. <laughs> um, also, but yeah, no, that, that, that work smarter, not harder mentality is great. And he's been using the analytics to it was very interesting when he was saying about how he could like approach or he could uh, chase after the same analytics that the best players in the game have. I don't know what he was saying because it was too smart for me with like the launch angle and the percentages and and the two two hundred percent into the ground or whatever you're saying, um, but like he can he can chase after those same stats that the the best hitters in the game have, and that's a very interesting way of looking at it to me. I think what I gathered from him saying that was like he wants to hit the measurables, like not necessarily because obviously baseball is comes down to a game of intangibles at some point, but like if he can like you know swing as bad as fast as the of, as the best guy in the league or you know, be able to like 
drive as much force into the like off his back foot as everybody else. Like then it just comes down to his natural skill set. He's confident enough in his natural skill set that he thinks he can be at that level, which is commendable. Exactly. Like on the field stats, I think are somewhat unpredictable in terms of you could hit a ball 110 miles an hour right to someone, or you can have a perfect swing on a ball and it gets caught somewhere. So I think like that mentality of looking at what was my bat speed? What was my launch angle? How does that compare to the best hitters in the game is a really smart way of looking at it because once you have like the mechanics down and you have like those best measurables that you can, the hits will come, the homers will come and that will kind of, that's what you're looking for as a, a player kind of on the line of making a team or not is like, what I do on the field doesn't matter as much as someone who doesn't really have the mechanics down, doesn't have the measurables. Because he can be hitting like 250 or whatever, but like my bat speed is the same as Mike Trout, J.D. Martinez, whatever. And I think that is a very important um, aspect to his game, and it really helps his case too. Um, well, it's the Heim Bloom mentality. Yes, he lo- He looks at the advanced statistics and – like, I mean, like he knows exactly what Heim's going to look for out of him because, you know, he could be hitting 100, but he could be smoking the ball every time he puts it in play because, you know, it comes down to luck a lot of the time. And that's something that the Red Sox would look at first rather than his batting average, for example. I mean, he, he kind of came off as a very, like, control what you can control kind of guy. And when you can kind of focus on those little things, those, those kind of reps that you can get better at, I mean, that's what he's been doing his whole career, what he's made it made his way up through here to indie ball. I mean, you got to just fight and you got to figure out what you can figure out and let the old stuff play itself out. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. You don't make it as far as he's made it coming from where he came from, like without having an insane work ethic and an insane dedication and like a fantastic mindset. Like he was telling us that like Kevin Millar is the only other guy from indie ball to make a pro roster as a position player. And he's trying to be number two. And like, that's just mind boggling. Like the fact that we've seen that and it's, and like Millar was good. Like back in his day, like if Ryan Fitzgerald can be similar to Kevin Millar, like it's a pretty big win for us, especially with his utility. Yeah, absolutely. I remember seeing him uh, when I went to Woo Sox games or I think I saw him in double a little bit too. I was like, who's that dude out there at shortstop with that long hair. And then he goes up to the plate and matches a homer. I'm like, who is that dude? And now seeing him in spring training, he's starting to make a name for himself. I really hope that the Red Sox give him a shot because I think he's earned it and I think he can really help the team. Um, he and... provides some more of that bench depth that you were looking for. Exactly. Like, I think, honestly, I'd rather have Ryan Fitzgerald than Jonathan Aruz. I think I'd Aruz rather have him than Travis Shaw. Yeah. Well, and like, you're looking for a lefty bat who can no play a couple more either. positions. He was the farm system, like defensive player of the year or something like three years ago. Oh, yeah. He has really good uh, defense, too, which is something that the Red Sox have been after. Their defense has not been great in the past three seasons. That's part of the reason why they got Trevor Story. Uh, so that's can, another thing that Ryan Fitzgerald can add to the team. And Fitzgerald isn't just limit. Like, he's not just an infielder. Like, he can play. He's like a Kike type player now. Exactly. And now that Kike is kind of slid, slid into the everyday center field role, now Fitzgerald can kind of take that utility man role into his own hands and be like the new Kike, the new Brock Holt in some ways. That's- like he was talking in the interview how he's played all over the diamond. And I think that is so invaluable to a team. Um, and 
something that the Red Sox love. They love versatile guys. Especially with a roster that it isn't getting much younger. Like we don't have a lot of young, like super outside of Bogarts and Verdugo and Devers, like our like skill position players are not exactly the youngest guys in the, they're not spring chickens. So like you kind of, you know, you want someone who can go out there and take the, take the load off for the guys that are maybe less like less prepared to be playing like 162 games in a season out in the field. I wonder what our like average age is on the team. Cause I bet Rich Hill just makes that like skyrocket. <laughs> I was looking at but Rich Hill's Devers, stats. Who's 14. And, like, it started in like ah, 2006. I want to say was when his career started. I'm like, that's insane. I might have even been before that. The dude's been around forever, but um, yeah. Oh, so thanks, thanks again to Ryan Fitzgerald for coming on the podcast. Uh, that was a great interview, uh, and yeah, I really hope to see him with the big league club sometime this season. And Jason, to answer your question, at least in in twenty twenty, we were our average age was twenty eight point six. So like, probably that, pretty close to thirty now. Is that high? I don't. It's like middle of the road. Um, yeah. That year, the highest was 30.1 from the Nationals. So that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Well, there's a, there's a stat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the resident stat guy, you know. At that. Um, all right. It's time now for our season preview and our season predictions. Like we said, opening day is this week. So it is time to make our hot takes and give ourselves audio bites to look back at the end of the year and laugh at for us being so stupid. Um, let's kick it off. So the same categories that we've always done, we got uh, MVP, best pitcher, biggest surprise, and then, of course, the Pablo Sandoval Award for the worst player. Um, let's get it started with MVP. Alex, who you got? I mean... I, I always, you know, I'm partial to to the two guys on the left side of the infield. Those have been my guys since day one. But I, I got to give it to Devers. I mean, he's mashing in in spring training, and you know, he was phenomenal last year. I don't see anything changing there. He's just like, I mean, he's he's 14. He's got a lot of pop. You know, he he can. I think his defense will take a step forward this year. I just think that he's going to contribute the most, especially when he's sitting out of the two hole. Joey. MVP, um, I mean, I picked Devers as well. I think he's probably, you know, he's going to be up there for AL MVP. Um, there's not much else to say. Rafi's a beast. We, uh, you weren't going to say my name. All right. Um, anyway. <laughs> Garrett. <laughs> Why, what, why'd you say everyone else's name? But not well, I, I figured it was implied who was next. Well, my bad. All right. I wanted a little bit of an introduction. Sorry. All but right. Garrett Jiggs Myers prediction for MVP Ooh. of the Red Sox. Um, I am going to go with the one and only um, um, Xander Bogarts because I think he's awesome and I think he matches home runs and I think he's going to play better defense because he's been focusing on it. And God, he's really good. So I could have picked Devers, obviously, too, for the reasons you guys listed. But. Yeah. I mean, as Alex said, it's between. Devers and Bogarts pretty much every time we've done this. Um, I'm picking Raphael Devers. I actually, one of my, I, I'm doing my bold predictions again on my uh, Instagram. And my first one that I posted today was that Devers will win AL MVP. So along with that, I'm going to pick him to win Red Sox MVP. Um, I just think that he, he just keeps getting better every year. 
And like last season, he was incredible. I think it's just going to be even better this year. Um, year two of Alex Cora, his father being back with the Sox. Um, he's just kind of finding his swing even more. He's been insane in spring training. I just think he's going to just totally explode this year. The, the ice cream scoop home run the other day. Yeah, the dude golfed it out. Like It looked like he hit it by accident. And it was crushed. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, all right. This is always a, a fun one with this team, but uh, best pitcher. <laughs> okay, am I going first again? Yeah, we'll do the same order. Okay, so I based this off of like my expect, like what like everyone would expect like out of the entire staff. I think Tanner Houck is going to be the best like by like where he's in like the spot he's in. I think he's going to provide the most for us. He's got really good stuff. He reminds me a lot of Chris Sale. I think, you know, he, he worked with Scherzer in the off season, you know, another guy that's like kind of a violent arm angle, kind of a intense personality. I, I think that'll benefit him a lot. You know, he's not going to have, hopefully he'll get run support this year. I know he didn't today in their spring training game, but he was good. He looked good again today in spring training. I'm going with Hauk. I like that. All right. Um, so I was, I'm going the safe route. Um, I was between Nathan Avaldi and Garrett Whitlock, and I think I'm going to go with Garrett Whitlock this year because obviously last year he was the best pitcher on the team. I think he, I think he's going to do the exact same thing um, on one condition. That's if they keep him in the bullpen. If Garrett Whitlock stays in the bullpen, stays as your as your high leverage guy, doesn't even have to be the closer. I think he'll be your best pitcher because all this guy cares about He's a robot. All he cares about is going out on the mound and getting outs. He said the other day he didn't care if he was the janitor for the team. He just wanted to be with the big league club. I love that mentality. Um, he doesn't let the moment get to him. So why not repeat his best pitcher on the team? All right. Um, so I ended up also picking Garrett Whitlock along with Joey. Um, he did nothing but impress me last year. Um, and I, I just think he's going to continue. I don't see any signs of stopping. Um, I, I, I just hope they I hope they keep him in a similar role. I agree with Joey. Um, but I also I, I'm confident. I, I don't care, really. The guy's a stud. All right. Mine is very different than everyone else. I went with a – well, I mean, you guys went with a bullpen guy too. But I didn't want to chase after the success of uh, Garrett Whitlock that he had last year. As much as I love him and think he's going to be good, um, I'm going with someone else. I'm going with Matt Strom, uh, signed as a free agent. I was seeing something about how scouts were talking about him um, in a showcase that he had and just saying that he looked fantastic. Um, and I think he's going to have the best year of his career. I honestly think that he's going to be our best reliever in the bullpen. I think him and Hirokazu Sawamura are going to be the top two guys. Garrett Whitlock somewhere in the mix too. But I really think that Matt Strom is going to impress and be a huge part of the bullpen and um, get my pick for best pitcher. Sign me up for that. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, you see a theme of me liking guys with long hair here. <laughs> Next up, we got biggest surprise. Jason, I'm actually hopping on the bandwagon with you here. I picked Strom as the biggest yeah, surprise. Yeah, let's um, go. Um, I just think, like, you know, he's he's had good years in the past. I think, you know, 2021 was a little bit of an off year. He really didn't get to play that much. Um you know, he's, he was 
good in 2020 and he was okay in 2018 and 27 and 2019 too. Like, I think he's got a lot of just like ability to go out there and get outs. Um, I think, you know, like he's going to be playing in a, a different environment than in San Diego, but I think he's going to thrive here. I like his, I like his pitch mix a lot. So. All right. Biggest surprise. This was a, this was a tough one for me. I feel like, I wanted to say Christian Arroyo because I feel like he's not quite a household name yet, but um, all the de- even the half dedicated Red Sox fans love this guy. So I won't go with him because he's too good to be the biggest surprise. I am going to go with Michael Waka, even though I trashed on him 10 minutes ago. Uh, reason being he's had success in the past and um, we know what he's capable of. He went down to Tampa and still stunk, even though they're the pitching gurus. So I feel like the expectations are so low on Waka that anything, any, an ERA of 420 would be a success out of him. And in spring training, you know, I actually was somewhat impressed with how he looked. I thought, I thought he looked comfortable out there and I thought he was, I, I can't put, you know, it's a, so it's quite a bold take, but um, he just passed the eye test for me in spring training. I don't know. Talking about big surprises, that pick is the big surprise for me. That was wow. Like I'm pretty sure last episode you picked yeah. him to be like the worst player on the team. <laughs> but okay, yeah. And then I I liked his changeup. <laughs> That's about it. He threw that, you know, a few times. It looked it looked okay. Oh, the changeup got you. It passed okay. the eye test. Yep. Oh, my turn. Wow. Wonderful. Um, so my pick for <laughs> biggest surprise is Bobby Dahlbeck. Um, I don't know if uh, it's super surprising for a lot of guys like us. I know um, I've talked to a few people about this, but he has the frame. He has the swing. He needs the experience. And as he moves on into his career, I think he's primed for some sort of breakout. He showed the potential last year over a few stretches. Um, he also showed some pretty Poor play, but with time, hopefully comes consistency. And I love the power, and I'm excited for him. And he's gonna—he has the role, he has the spot. Um, early, he's gonna see at least some of the time he needs. So, yeah, I like that pick. Um, that was actually one of the guys I was thinking about. The only reason I didn't pick him is because I feel like everyone's expectations are kind of high for him to start. So I, I don't know how much of a surprise it would be. But I definitely like that pick. Uh, the guy I chose—I mentioned him earlier. I'm picking James Paxton. I think a lot of people kind of forget that he's on the team um, and are kind of overlooking him as potentially being a piece. Uh, the The key here is how he recovers from the Tommy John surgery. I like, I've said it before, I like guys coming out of Tommy John. I think for the most part, they've been better. I can't really think of too many cases where they've been worse uh, given enough time. When you for look sure. at Paxton's stats, he, in any season he's been healthy, has been good. The past two seasons, he pitched five games in 2020, one game in 2021. Before that, he had a 382 ERA in 2019, 376, 298. He's been pretty solid when he's been healthy. And so I think if we can get him healthy, he can be a very key part of the rotation and a big surprise. People forget that he was like a a Cy Young candidate not not very long ago. Yeah, threw a no-hitter too. He was an ace. Yep. I love uh, it. Next category, our favorite award, the Pablo Sandoval Award for worst player, most painful to watch. Who we got, Alex? 
you know, this one's probably not that much of a surprise just based on my personal track record, but um, I can't go with anyone besides Matt Barnes. I just think that he has the worst mentality out of any baseball player or specifically <laughs> out of any closer, or I use that term very loosely that I've ever seen. Um, I just, I just don't think he'll be good. I mean, he's been on a downward swing since he made the all-star team last year. Like I just, I can't trust him to ever be like anything more than like painfully average and like give me like a few heart attacks a year. So his velo fell off too. It's like right. down his fastball's down to like 92, 93, and the Sox are concerned about it. So I feel like that's a good choice. Um, I should say Michael Walker, right? <laughs> so I can't be wrong. He'll either be really good or really bad. Yeah. Um no, I'm gonna go with um I would say Travis Shaw, but he I don't think he's gonna be on the team for the entire season. But someone who will be is Ryan Brazier. That is my pick. Um, he's had a pretty awful spring training. Um, ever since 2018, you know, he was nasty that year, and that was definitely the high point of his career. Um, ever since then, he's battled injuries, which is tough, but even when he's been healthy, he really just hasn't been impressive, prone to giving up home runs. And uh, whenever he comes in the game, I'm just never really confident. Um, my pick is – and I feel kind of bad because I often do this um, and I'm, not, I'm nothing but a fan, but uh, my pick would be Jackie Bradley Jr., who we're going to see a lot uh, more of this year than I would like. Um, I feel like I had kind of my taste of him throughout my most of my Red Sox watching uh, life up to this point. And it's just a little bit of like a, I don't want to say depressing, but I've been here before with the same mindset towards the guy and I hope he can surprise me, but I, don't know if I have much faith in that. Yeah, um, I was thinking about picking JBJ, but like I don't know. I feel like if I picked him, he'd just be good just to spite me. Um, I went with Joey Sedum, Ryan Brazier. That's that's who I think is gonna win this award. Uh, he's just not that good, <laughs> and uh, he like like Joey mentioned has had a pretty awful spring training. Like a, I think his. ERA was like 14 and his whip was like three, something like that. Again, spring training doesn't matter, but like he wasn't even good since 2018, really. Um, so yeah, that's that's my pick for the Pablo Sandoval Award. Um, and now we we were gonna do bold predictions. Each of us gives one bold prediction. Alex, get the stove heating up here. Okay, I I'll, I don't know how hot this is, um, but I, I I think it's pretty good. So obviously we have quite the lineup rolled out this year, you know, up and down the thing, up and down. I project my, my bold prediction is that Bobby Dahlback is going to finish top two on the team in home runs. Okay. I'm not confident in saying he'll be, he'll have the most, but I I think he's going to hit like 30 plus, maybe stretch to 35. I think that's going to be good enough for second or first on the team. Yeah, I'd see Devers like as first, and I could see Dahlbeck as second potentially. I know that's yeah. I get where he's coming from. We got so many big bats in the lineup. It's we're gonna have our own home run race. Everyone's exactly. gonna have sixty by by June. Um, my bold prediction. I just came up with this one. <laughs> Hansel Robles is gonna be your closer. 
that's a horrifying thing for you to I say. I don't like that. He's going to figure it out this year. Is he even on the roster? He's got the stuff. He he pitched today. Uh, well, I don't know about that. Was, yeah, but uh, is, he, is he on the yeah, roster? I don't know about that. He's not on the roster. Uh, I'll give another one in case he's in case they just <laughs> decide to send him to the streets. Uh, <laughs> Christian Arroyo will be your starting right fielder by the month of May. Oh, wow. There you go. That's a good take. Yeah. Wow. That was I could kind of see that, one. too. I like that one. That's a good one. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I had a little bit of trouble. I... <laughs> I wanted to say, so there seems to be this expectation about a certain team in our vision, the Blue Jays, and I wanted to say that we are better than that team and it will not, will not be that close. And there seems to be like this idea that it's going to be the Blue Jays at some top of this division, and I don't think that's true, and I don't think it's going to be very close at all. Um, I don't know how hot of a take that is, but that's what I was thinking about. So are you thinking like Red Sox first place, Blue Jays second, or Blue Jays like aren't even the second best team? I just don't see lineup to lineup. I don't see that comparison. I guess I, I don't know what to take from the race after. So I don't know how I'm going to put the teams in the yeah. division, like rank them right now. Um, I was just thinking about that specific comparison. Anyway. All right. Um, my bold prediction, I picked my favorite of my three bold predictions and I'm posting on Instagram. I'm going with the Red Sox will have the best bullpen in the major leagues. I can see it. We have a lot of really good anchored by closer Hansel Robles. (laughs) (laughs) People forget about like, I mean, Josh Taylor is still here. We didn't talk about him at all. And he's like, very good. Yeah. I I think some of the big names in this bullpen that I think are going to lead the charge. Um, Obviously, like I said, Matt Strom, uh, Hirokazu Saramura, I think, is going to have an incredible year. I think Garrett Whitlock will be good. I think Jake Diekman will be good. People forget about him, too. Um, Matt Barnes, as much as I can't stand watching him pitch in close games, I think he won't be horrible. He's always somehow bad and good at the same time. Um, and then you still have guys, like you mentioned, Josh Taylor. Um, I mean, once you kind of get some depth back, you're going to have very solid depth in the bullpen in terms of like Michael Walker could be out there. We could see Rich um, Hill. Yeah, Rich Hill could be out there. We could see some other guys like Jorge and Hernandez. <laughs> Hansel Robles, maybe. Um, but and oh, maybe we could get up Edward Bizarro too, who I kind of want them to uh, add to the bullpen. I think he's really good. But yeah, overall, There's... I think the Red Sox will just have the best bullpen in the majors, which is wild because our bullpen has been a problem for years. But I just kind of think they've silently filled some gaps. Other than closer, I think they've kind of added some good pieces that could break I, out. I think Durbin Feltman is the solution there, you know? Wow, you're big on that train, huh? Yeah, I am. I just, I mean, he's 24 and he was dominating the minors last year, so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think that's Dalton kind of, Furbush. that goes along with the theme that a lot of players in this Red Sox organization have the ability to break out. There's a lot of players that have been kind of in the minors and been prospects and been talked about, and this could be the year that a lot of them have their kind of coming of age and, and break out. Um, and I think that kind of leads to the potential for the Red Sox to have a great bullpen. Uh, yeah. All right, finally, our last thing to predict here is our record prediction for the Red Sox this season. Alex, what do you got? Stats guy. 
<sighs> yeah, you know me, big analytics man. Um, I have the Red Sox finishing 89 and 73. Third in the East, second wild card. I just think that our division is way too stacked. I don't think we have the starting – I think we'll start slow and pick it up as the season goes on once we start to get some pieces back. I just think that, you know, our bullpen – or not our bullpen, our starting rotation just is has too many question marks for me to be confident enough to put this team in 90 wins. I think we'll be in a lot of close games. I'm just not sure that, like – I feel like we'll fall behind early a lot, and I'm not sure we'll be able to catch up consistently. Um I have it. I have the division shaking out as Rays, uh, Blue Jays, Red Sox, Yankees, with all four teams making the playoffs with the new expanded format. But um, that's just my. Take. I forgot the playoffs were expanded. That's a good point, Alex. Good, yeah, good okay. point. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay, Joey. <laughs> um. So my record prediction is ninety-one and seventy-one. Um, which is, I believe, a game worse than last year. But obviously, um, I think this year's team on paper is better, but the competition in the division is definitely much more fierce. Um, obviously, the Blue Jays had a huge offseason. Uh, the Rays somehow hacked the system and win games. And then the Yankees kind of didn't do anything. Um I believe that's good enough for third in the AL East. I have this. I have either the Blue Jays or the Rays in first or second. I feel like they're one A and one B. Uh, we're going to finish third, and the Yankees are going to finish fourth. And um, I have definitely the first three teams making the playoffs. Who knows about the Yankees? They'll probably find a way to make it too. Um, but I think this is going to be a really good team this year, and. Uh, I think when thing, they're going to have a couple big win streaks this year, because when, like you said, a lot of breakout potential, when things click, no one can beat these guys. Um, so I just think first off on paper, I believe this seems better than it was last year. I think they're in a better position. Like Joey said, the competition is better, um, but I don't see how they can really regress from where they were. I'm confident in this team. I think Trevor's story puts you really over the edge a little bit. Um, I don't – hovering around 93, something like that, I, I don't really know what the Rays are going to do this uh, this season, um, but I think it'll shake probably something like Rays, Red Sox, and then we'll see what the Yankees and Blue Jays do. Um, I expressed my non-confidence in the Blue Jays earlier. Um but I don't know what to do with the expanded format. I guess I didn't put a lot of thought into that because I'm not used to it. Um, so I'm going to have to repick what team. But I think any four of those teams are good enough to make the playoffs. Um, so we'll see. I have gone back and forth on this so much. I've changed my record prediction like three times while you guys were talking. I, <laughs> <laughs> I originally had him at 94 and 68. But then I changed it to what Joey said, 91 and 71. But then I changed it back to 94 and 68. I It's so tough because I see the Red Sox being really good, but then I don't see them like winning 95, 96 or more than that. Um, but then again, you're like talking about the division and how good that is. So it's, it's a mess, but I'm going with 94 and 68. And I'm basing that off of last season, we won 92 games. 
And I do think that we are a better team than we were last season. So I can't pick them to do worse. I, And then, was it Garrett or Joey? I think it was Garrett who said Trevor Story. Once that name like clicked in my head, I was like, oh yeah, we got Trevor Story. So I had to bump him <laughs> up a few games for that. Because that is a huge addition. I think it's going to make a big difference. And I mean, I feel like I have to pick them to be better than last season when I have other predictions like best bullpen endeavors winning AL MVP. I feel like it just kind of fits with that. Um, so yeah, I'll go 94 and 68. I think the the division will shake out um, against what Garrett believes. I think the Blue Jays will have an incredible year and win 100 games at least. I'm excited for the end of the year when we get to just soundbite. Yeah. So I think the Blue Jays will be first. I think Sox will get second. I never believe the Rays are good, and I still can't pick them to be good. I think they'll win like 89, and the Yankees are just garbage. I'm going to pick them to win like 87. So I'll go uh, Blue Jays, Red Sox, Rays, Yankees, Orioles in the division. There you have it. There are our predictions for the 2022 season. Uh, We'll look back at those at the end of the season or throughout the season if we really messed up. (laughs) Um, but yeah, there you have it. I, I am excited for this season. Um, I think that the Red Sox will be good in some capacity and regardless of how good they do on the field, I think they will be fun to watch because we have a lot of fun players, a lot of personality, and they have a great team chemistry with Alex core as the manager. So I, I'm definitely excited. Um, one name that I'm surprised didn't come up at all in this conversation was Tristan Casas. I was expecting someone to be like, Casas is going to win like rookie of the year, hit like a ton of homers or something like that. Um, that's one name that I'm very excited that I hope we get to see this season is I can't wait to see him bash homers in the big league level. Um, but I'll be watching him in AAA mash homers at in Worcester until then. So, All right. One thing that I want to talk about, uh, this has been a, a, a recent thing as of today. And actually, an update just happened to it that you guys don't know about yet. Um, Steve Lyons. <laughs> uh, former Nesson analyst, uh, former Red Sox player, of course. Um, I posted on my story Raphael Devers' home run that he golfed out, and Steve Lyons responds to my story. Overwhelming home run call, dot, 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 like making fun of OB for being dry. And so that was funny that he, he responded to my story to trash on his like former uh, co-worker. Um, and then so I was like, Steve, like you got to come on our podcast. What do we got to do to make it happen? Because like I, he's in my DMs already. So like, let's give it a shot. And then he responds with a little more bitterness out of me. <laughs> I'm like, okay, ha, ha, do you have what time for it? What does I don't that know mean? what that means. Pause. Pause. Make sure everyone yeah. understands like what the because that doesn't make any sense. Just explain that again. You said what exactly? And he responded. I said, Steve, you gotta come on our podcast, man. What do we gotta do to make it happen? He says a little more bitterness out of me. So do we gotta like what does that mean? If he, if the Red Sox like suck, will he like just come on and like I think no, I think he like needs bitter? to be more bitter. So I think something like he needs to have like a bad day or something. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get him on the podcast when he has a bad day and he's bitter. Message um, him every day. You from should now text on him every day. If he's bitter enough. Yeah, be like, how's your day going? Yeah, how's Good. your day going? Crap. He's like, oh, it's trash. Perfect. Actually, yeah. Jason, I'm doing terrible today. And you're like, great. Amazing. Three exclamation awesome. points. And you saw a Zoom link. Yeah. Perfect. 
Um, the conversation did not stop there, though. So I said, haha, do you have time for a quick 20 minutes on Zoom today? He replies, no. <laughs> it's all right. He does it, man. What if? Nope. Um, and then, so I asked him, how about another day? And he replied during this podcast eight minutes ago, maybe. <laughs> 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 we that's all right i'd love it it's not no <laughs> i don't know what to do with that maybe um so maybe we'll have steve lyons on at some point in the future <laughs> that's so funny man wow i almost got hit by he almost hit me with his car once it's a fun fact i was like walking into fenway park and he was like coming out in his car and he just like didn't see me almost hit me you should ask him about that when he's when he comes on the podcast yeah you should just get hit by his car so then he has a horrible day <laughs> he comes on the podcast right yeah right. yeah you take you interview him from the ambulance <laughs> be great all right interview him from like the ground while i'm like bleeding out yeah, he gets out on the car. You have your microphone. He's like, oh, my God, are you okay? And you're like, and here's Steve Lyons. Anything for the pod, man. He's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? How was like, your time now joining us is Steve Lyons. <laughs> Ow. What do you think about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that what was one of the... So that's that's um that was one of the wildest interactions I've had uh with like anyone really. That was yeah, that was interesting. Um and my favorite part of it still though, the fact that he originally swiped up on my story to to trash on Dave O'Brien. That's that's goofy. That's like that time where um I posted something on my story about Jeter Downs not being that good and his former teammate swiped up and said overrated. <laughs> I love those little interactions. I, like I, that. I thought I just just for Joey. Have you watched him play this this spring? He sucks. Yeah, I saw him hit like twice. He's been terrible. Bummer. Yep. Jason's on the phone. We have to kill some time. Sorry, I got a call from my mom. I had to Not pick anymore. that up. Yeah, <laughs> she uh, she didn't have anything to add to the show, so we'll just keep it moving here. Um. Oh, yeah, that's what I want to talk about, Dave O'Brien. Um, real quick, I want to shout out this uh, Twitter that me and Joey started a couple years back that uh, I wanted to bring uh-huh. back for this season, Dave O'Boring on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I was watching a spring training game the other day, and he said something stupid, so I had to tweet it out and bring back the Twitter. He was like, if you're still watching, you have our undying love. And I was like, no, I just forgot I had the TV on. Um what have you guys heard Tony Maz in the booth yet? Stop. Yeah. Stop. It's kind of funny. It's it's something. He like like he really you you know he wants to criticize them so bad and he like catches himself. Yeah. He's like, "You know Jackie Bradley Jr., we know him as a hitter. He got us he's not great. He's <laughs> below league average." Instead of I saying remember he that. sucks. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think Dave O'Brien was like, you know what you're going to get from him defensively. And Tony Maz was like, yeah, and then hitting is a little more of a question mark. <laughs> he really is just trying to not like be the, the guy he is on the radio and complain because um, I don't think he can do that. Uh, but they, uh, they had Eck in the booth the other day, and I forgot how much I missed Eck and just the, the noises that he makes during a game and reacting to stuff. So that's going to be fun. Yuke um, was good the I other like day. Yeah, you could. He good. loves he loves Fitzgerald. Yeah, what was he? What would you say that he um, said about Fitzy? Oh yeah, so um, he hit a home run against the Twins, I think, last weekend, and um, he steps up to the plate, and you goes, "Here's my boy Fitzy," and like he hits a home run, and he just goes, "Fitzy, Fitzy, Fitzy! Oh, Fitzy, what a shot!" Yeah, loves. Him. I love that. That's great. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, it should be a fun uh, cast of characters this season. How many, I hope, like, are, is Eck doing all of the game or like a majority of the games? I don't know. Whatever. I think it's majority for Eck, and then those guys are going to fill in like sporadically. Yeah. Because Eck got that new deal at some point. I can't remember. I wonder if they're going to do the three-man booth again. And if so, would it be? They should. Who would it be? I forgot about Kevin him Millar. Nicholas, maybe? Millar. Oh, that, him and Millar in the booth together would be fun. Yes, it would be. All right. Um, ooh, Baseball on The Bobby Thursday, Valentine experience. Streaming Monday. Really? Yeah. Oh, we're just jumping around right now. Some, uh, I think Joey mentioned that Matt Barnes' uh, velocity is down. Alex Cora said that his velocity is at 92.93. Great. That's not ideal. No. Huh. Why is it going to be uh, bad? One more thing I wanted to add. I saw this, this piece of news right before the show. The Red Sox have started discussion talks with, the, um, with Bogarts and Devers about an extension. Really? Yeah, but they're Fantastic. not expecting anything to happen before the season. And you know how extensions That's, are during the season. They don't really happen. So You don't do them. <sighs> yeah. At least they approached them. Like, that's a low bar. Um, for Bogarts, I'm not too worried because he did an interview with Rob Bradford this week. And uh, Bradford asked him straight up, like, do you think you guys could get something done uh, before the season starts? And he said, he said no. Um, yeah. I mean, the season starts this week. But so. he clearly wants to. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it would have to move pretty quick. But I mean, the Bogarts thing, like in the grand scheme of things, I'm not too, too worried. Everyone thinks that we since we got story, uh, he's a lot to leave. Like this is this is obviously just a quick look at it because it, it would take a longer time to go in depth. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think Devers is still the main guy that you got to extend. He is. Um, and like I'm glad the Red Sox finally realized that. Like I feel like they've been watching him this spring. Like after he hit his sixth homer, where he golfed that one out, John Henry's up there. Like Sam, go send Rafael Devers a fax. We need to get him on the. We need to sign him. And so yeah, I don't. <laughs> I was trying to make fun of John Henry being like ancient. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that cut that. <laughs> <laughs> 
on that note, that'll do it for this week's episode. Um, again, shout out and thanks to Ryan Fitzgerald for joining the show. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview and hope you guys enjoyed our season predictions. Our next episode will be during the 2020 MLB regular season. Super exciting. Let's go Sox. Go Sox. Go Sox. See you next time. Peace.